Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I think it's always interesting, isn't it, when you begin to do something for God or sow a seed by faith, doesn't it always happen that doubt always comes? Am I the only one? How many of you have ever drifted before? Now, I'm not talking about the Fast and Furious, okay? I'm not, y'all are like, man, that was so awesome. Fast and Furious 26 was amazing, right? Wondering when they're going to stop making those. I don't know. Maybe when we stop watching them. That's not the drift that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that kind of drift. I'm talking about that kind of drift where you begin to look over at your spouse and you wonder, do I even know that person anymore? Why did I even marry them? You forget all about the goodness about them and you begin to drift further away. It's the kind of drift where you got into business and you wanted to make a difference. You wanted to change hearts, not just make money. And all of a sudden you're going along and you vowed not to be like that in business or that employee. And you find yourself just fitting in and drifting away from the purpose God has called you to in your business. And you end up hating it, complaining about it. You lose your purpose. You drift away from what God has called you to. For some of you, it might be the drift when the cancer didn't go into remission like you prayed to God it would. And you went to your, our prayer partners and you went to our pastors and all the prayer and you believed and you stood and you stood. And then when the doctor came back and he said, it's not in remission, it's actually spread worse. You find yourself drifting. And you look back and you realize I don't know when the last time I read my Bible was. Maybe for some this morning, the drift happened when you came to church. And that time you came to church before, it might have been here, it might have been somewhere else, it might have been when you were younger and you had an encounter and an experience with God. And you felt like your life was changed because it was. And you, you just vowed, I'm not going back to that old way of thinking and living and doing. I'm going to walk in God's way. And you had the best of intention. But the week or two weeks or month or even years afterwards, you find yourself right back in the same situation you were before. And you begin doubting and wondering, did I really encounter God? How many of you know the drift is real? And we have all are susceptible to the drift. It is real and it is dangerous. It's the drift that happens when you take your eye off of God and you put it onto something else. You're not alone this morning. Because my hope for you is for those twofold. Number one, for those of you who are hanging on to God, that you would continue to stay steadfast. And for those of you, my, uh, my next hope and my encouragement is for those of you maybe who feel like you've drifted so far this morning that you're too far gone. Let me say this right now and declare this over your life. You're never too far gone for God. 
No son or daughter of yours is ever too far gone for God. The addiction's not too bad for God. The cancer hasn't spread bad enough too much for God. I'm telling you right now, because we serve a mighty God. But the drift can be real. And there's a warning in the Bible that talks to us. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that this drift is dangerous. And all throughout God's word, we see in this, especially in the New Testament, it's a warning against drifting away. It's a warning. Now, listen to me. Let me make this very clear. I'm not talking about salvation. I believe in God's word. If you didn't earn it, you can't lose it. Let me say that again. This is not about your salvation. This is about drifting away from the purpose and plan of God's life. This is about drifting away from the hope that God has called your son or daughter back. Drifting away from the hope that you just sowed a seed into the legacy. And all of a sudden, God says, and all of a sudden, the enemy begins to speak to you, listen to this, and begins to go, it's not enough. You can't do that. We begin drifting away. And the writer of Hebrews, he tells us, Here's what he says in Hebrews chapter two. He says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have, say it again, heard. Why? So that we do not drift away. The Bible says that hearing comes by faith. That faith comes by hearing. And so if we look at it, if faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, then we need to understand that the drift can begin to happen even when we don't realize it. Now, I, I'm not from, I wasn't born and raised in South Louisiana, but y'all have considered me over the past eight years uh, an honorary Cajun, and I receive it by faith, okay? Thank you, guys. And what I've learned down here in South Louisiana is we know all about water, don't we? <laughs> we know about coolies and rivers and streams and swamps, floods. We know all about water. We're experts at water around here. And so when I say the word drift, you'll understand that. But for a Georgia boy like me, a former Georgia boy like me, when I would go to the ocean at eight years old, I had no idea the power of water and the power of drift. And I remember one time I went out into the water. My mom was watching me. I had a little, my little floaty on and my mom was watching. Don't go out too deep. And I said, okay, mama. And I went out into that water, not understanding what the current or undertow was. And sure enough, I'm just floating along in my floaty and, and I'm just having a lot of fun splashing around. And all of a sudden I look back and I'm 200 yards off of the, off the shore. And my mom is doing like one of these at me, right? Like I can actually swim back and she's freaking out. I'm just, my little legs start kicking and I'm just <laughs> trying to get back in. But with all my might and all my power, all my strength, I couldn't get back to the shore. And so two lifeguards were on duty and I had to have two. The first one, we couldn't even make it in. But the second one, he came and we all started kicking and we made it back into shore. And the hard part about this drift, listen to me, is that when the drift happens, you don't know until you're too far gone. It's where the outside circumstance begins to dictate the direction of your life. I'm going to say that again because 2020 showed us it's not very good. The outside circumstances and the current begin to take us places in a direction that God never meant for us to go. And we begin to drift from the plan and the purpose of God. And you begin to be at the mercy of the current of wherever it is steering you. Because listen here. When you just float and try to float in life, you'll never stay in the same place. 
when you just try to float, I'm just going to maintain. God is not a God of maintenance. He's a God of movement. That's what he is. He never wants you to stand still. And I love what Pastor Joseph talked about in Christianity. I don't know what your view of Christianity was growing up. Mine was boring, right? I would go to church, good Catholic boy would go to church. And I just thought like, what am I doing here right now? And then my mom realized I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to the Baptist church. And then I was like, what am I really doing here now? <laughs> and I just thought you just sang hallelujah the whole time and kumbaya and it was all good. But Pastor Joseph, right, our, our God is dangerous. Our God is dangerous. And if we just float like God doesn't want us to, then we're going to get swept in places that we never wanted to be. Because watch this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Always. This is what happens spiritually. So, Pastor Chris, how do we keep from drifting? Great question. Thank you for your question. How do we keep from drifting? And I believe the writer of Hebrews stays in that same vein. Remember, the writer of Hebrews is writing to the Hebrew people. He's writing to Jews who want to keep going back to the law. Jesus had come and said, I'm your savior. You don't have to earn it. All you have to do is believe. And they kept going, I want to go back to the law. I want to go back to sacrifices. I want to go back to doing things that made me feel good, even though it wasn't making me holy. And so he keeps saying, don't go back. Don't drift away. Listen to the truths that we've told you or else you're going to drift away. And the writer of Hebrews stays in that vein. And four chapters later in Hebrews 6, he began addressing what we need to not drift away. And here's what he says. If you've been in church, you maybe heard this verse before. I'm gonna read it out of the Passion. But it's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. It says this. This is where we find his, that's God's strength and comfort. For he empowers us to, what's that word? Seize. Some, some versions say take hold. To seize what has already been established ahead of time. What is that? An unshakable hope. And we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable, what's that word? Anchor. Holding our souls to God himself. The only way we keep from drifting is to anchor. In God. You, you, know what, you know what the interesting part about an anchor is? And I'm not a boating guy, but we all know what an anchor does. It just keeps you there. Well, what people don't realize about an anchor, it's not just what is anchoring you. It's what you're anchored to. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed. I have five beautiful kids that are ages 10 all the way to two. Continue to pray for me and my wife, Lord Jesus. Um, and they're awesome. And I love playing at the playground. I love that I have kids that I still want to play at the playground with them. And I'm trying to get in the tubes and my, my, my body's not fitting very well. Some of my parents, amen, right now. And you're trying to slide down the slide. Why do they make it so narrow? I don't know. But we try to slide down the slide. And my kids love playing this game. And if you're grandparents, you'll relate to this as well. But they get at the top of the slide and they'll go, I'm falling. You know, my two-year-old's like all into that right now. Daddy, help me. They're not really falling, but they're sliding down the slide, reaching their hand out. And I get to grab onto their hand. Now, what's interesting about it, listen to me right now is I get to not just keep them from falling or drifting, but everything that I have, they now have. Watch this. Let me show you. Trin, will you come up here real quick? 
So when I'm playing this game, and I want you to get a picture of what God is doing, when we begin to take hold of God and God begins to take hold of us, what happens is he tethers us to him and we have this unshakable hope. But the great part about it is what Trenton has right now is what I have. So when my kids are sliding down a slide and they're like, I'm falling, I get to hold them and all the power that I have, they get to have. The presence that I have, they get to have. The partition that I have, watch this, they get to have. Everything that I have, they get the benefit of. Listen to me right now. When you anchor yourself in God, you're not just going, I'm going to keep from drifting. No, I'm going to get the benefit of that which I am tethered to. That's why you can't just anchor yourself to anything. Because when you lock onto it and you take hold and you seize it, God says he empowers you through an unshakable hope. This morning, some of you have lost this right here. You've lost. You think it's just sitting there and doing, coming to church and lifting your hands. Those are all amazing things. But when you're tethered and anchored to the hope of Christ, you know that what you do isn't about what you do. It's all about him. And you receive every single benefit. Because listen, I feel like I'm still pretty strong. Some of y'all might think so. And when my kids hold on to me, guess what? They get my strength. Because they can't do it on their own. Guess what? But I can. And I'm holding on. And even when they try to let go of me, guess what? I'm holding on to them. I'm tethering myself and I'm anchoring myself, not just because I don't want to drift, but because there's benefits that God wants to give me that I need to receive. And this morning, my prayer, listen to me, is that you would receive, understand, and walk by faith in those benefits that you're anchored to. Thank you. Because we are not people who just walk willy-nilly lives as believers, that if you are a born-again believer, listen to me, you have access to everything that God wants for your life. And it's the glory of God that you would walk in that which he has called you to. And so we look at it this morning. You might go, Pastor Chris, that's a great illustration. But what does that look like for me? What do I, what do I actually receive? What do I get when I take hold, when I seize that anchor of hope, when I'm sowing a seed into my kids and they're still acting crazy? <laughs> How can I still anchor myself when I'm trying to pour into my marriage? Watch this. And it feels like there's nothing in return from the, my, my spouse. When I'm trying my best to stay steadfast, when my son has an addiction and, and I, just, I, I just believe in God, believe in God, and it keeps getting harder to believe that they're going to make it back to God. What does this look like? What is this hope and what benefits do I receive? I want to give you three, three benefits you receive, and there's more. And I want to break these down, and then we can close this morning. Number one, the first thing is this. You're giving God's power. Everybody say power. power. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got the power. I've got the power. See, y'all didn't know. Some of y'all want to break out those dance moves right now. I saw a little kid start dancing just now. That was awesome. This is what I want you to see over this, right? Because some of you are going, yeah, that, that's great. Here's what I want you to see. In your most helpless situation, look at me. If you're a believer, you're never helpless. You might feel helpless. 
It might look helpless, but you're never helpless. Matter of fact, here's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. He's addressing the church and he says this. His, that's God's, God's divine power. Everybody say power. Power has given us everything we need. That's a strong statement. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and his goodness. The Bible says we can anchor down in him because when we anchor down in Jesus, he gives us everything we need to live a godly life. That everything that you need to walk with Jesus, not to be me, not to be Pastor Jacob, not to be a worship leader. I'm not saying that, but to be who God has called you to be to be the kingdom of God wherever you are, everything you have to live a godly life, you already have. He's given you that power. You might be asking, well, Pastor Chris, I don't feel like I have everything I need. How do I know that? Let me share with you a statement and I'll explain. I know that you have everything you need because you're a baby, you're not a tadpole. To me, all like, where are we going? This is National Geographic? Yes. Give me a second, okay? A tadpole, think about it, is a dot with a tail. And we know that that dot and that tail, if it goes along enough, it forms legs. All of a sudden, it forms everything it needs, and it becomes a frog. And what's crazy about it is we're just like, okay, great. That's an awesome, it's it's a frog. It's a tadpole that begins to transform into a frog. That's not how it works when it comes to our spirituality. Listen to me. When you are born again, you are born a baby. Meaning this, you came out with all the parts. They just need developing. I'm gonna say that again. You came out with everything you needed as a baby, but you just needed developing. Because when you came out, you didn't start walking all of a sudden, talking, going, hey, can someone get me some pancakes here? I'm hungry, right? You didn't say that. No, no, no. First, you had some help eating, and then you ate yourself, and then you started crawling, then you started sitting, then you started walking and standing, and then walking, and then running. It's the same thing with God. His divine power has given you everything. You just need some help developing it. This is what I believe. Listen to me. This is what I believe the local church is for. This is our purpose, is to help you understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to know the power that is inside of you. You have gifts, and the enemy wants to do everything in his possible power to pull down those gifts because he knows you got power. Why? Because you're a baby. You're not a tadpole. He already knows you have everything. So the enemy is going to do whatever he can to pull you, to to get you offended at me, Pastor Jacob, or churches in general, and just going, I'm not going to that place. I'm not doing those things. Look what they do. All they want is money. All they talk about is this. All they want is really this. When in actuality, all we want to do is help you take your next step so you can start walking and running and jumping, and you can see the power of God that's inside of you because he wants to use you. You have all the parts there. They just need developing. That's why we have the dream team. That's why people serve. They're utilizing the gifts that God has given them to discover them. That's why, so they can make a difference. Now, I have to believe, listen to me, I have to believe that Joseph experienced this in the Bible. 
If you know the, the story of Joseph, it's in Genesis. And Joseph had the power to interpret dreams. He had visions and dreams, if you remember it. And he told his 11 brothers, hey, guess what? I had a dream and y'all are going to bow down to me. And they beat him up. I'd beat my brother up too if he told me that. And so they, they beat him up. They threw him in a pit. Then they sold him into slavery. And then he went into Potiphar's house where he was a servant. Then he went from there to a prison. Then he went from a prison to a palace to where he became number two in command. But let me share something with you. He had dreams. He could interpret dreams and visions when he was just a little boy. That power was with him when he was in the pit. That power was still with him. Listen to me when he was in Potiphar's house and they accused him of something he didn't do. That power was still with him when he was in the prison and he met the cupbearer and met the baker. That power was still with him when he went up to Pharaoh and he said, I can interpret your dreams. That power was still with him. But don't you think, listen to me, don't you think that in the pit, the prison and the palace, don't you think it needed time to develop so he could become number two? So why do we expect all the time for God to all of a sudden we give our lives to Jesus and he elevates us to a place that we don't deserve. I'm so grateful. Listen to me. Y'all might see a pastor now. I was an ex-football player, okay? And I'm so glad that at 17 years old when I got born again and God radically changed my life, he didn't say, I want you to go to our Savior's church and start preaching. I would be terrible. None of y'all would be here right now. And I'm so glad that God took me on a journey and each way along the way, he said, there's a gift in you. There's power in you. There's my power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. But I need time to develop it. This is why we get connected. And this is why our, our monthly men's breakfast is so, is so great. Why? Because the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Listen to me, man. Look up here. Some of y'all have been really dull because you've, you've yet to begin to sharpen yourself with another man next to you. You just kind of like, ah, you have no power. And this culture wants to emasculate you. Why? Because it wants to put you down instead of building you up to be the man of God that he's called you to be. Huge. You've got power. You've got power. Ephesians 2 says it like this. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. He prepared in advance for you to walk in them. You've got God's power and it keeps you going. Listen to me. When you're tethered and anchored to God, you've got all the power you need to keep going. The second thing that you get the benefit of is not just power, but you're number two, you're secured with God's promises. God's promises. I, I love this because when you're anchored in God's promises, there's a security about the future that the world can't give you, Right? You can go through a pandemic and know that God is still in control. You can go through so much and you know that God is still in control. You can go through tragedy and you still know that God is in control. Why? Because I have access to the promises that he's securing me. It's his promises that secure me. It's not this like, I hope I win the lottery kind of deal. I hope I get that job. No, R.C. Sproul says it like this. I love this. Hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish, like I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. 
Have you ever been to a funeral that you're going, man, I don't want my funeral to be like that. Anybody with me? You don't want to admit it right now. You're like, yeah, I've been to a few. You're like, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want my life to be like that. Yeah, I don't, want my, I don't want my funeral to be like, you know, I just went to an amazing pastor. It was Pastor Bubba McCann's funeral. And, and Pastor Bubba died. Of, he had his 12-year struggle with cancer that he fought and fought and fought. He has 900 lives. And he was a great man of God. He started the, the Jennings campus of Our Savior's Church, and he passed away a couple weeks ago, and he finished, he finished the race, and he finished it well. And that church was packed with people who respected and loved him that had been affected and impacted by his life. And we're sitting there and I got, I got to go to the funeral and I saw all five of his boys, they're grown from 17 to 37, all stand up and talk about their father. And this is amazing because you know, if you have five boys in the house, none of them are, there's no way you can get all of them to agree on one thing, right? But you wanna know what's crazy? All five of them got up and there was a string. There was a thread that ran all through five of them. And here's what it was. Our dad loved Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he loved others more than anything else. He loved God and he loved others. And what I loved about going to that funeral, listen to me, when you go to a funeral where it's a born again believer, it becomes a celebration. It doesn't become a tragedy. It becomes something that you, you go, yes, victorious. And he got up on the screen, which was so great because he did a video before he died. And he said, if you're watching this, I'm in heaven right now. Don't you cry for me. And that was kind of eerie at first, but I'm, then I'm doing, yes, amen. Why? Because listen to me, it's God's promises. If he promised we would see him at the end of the day, that when we took our last breath, listen to me, then it becomes a victory and it doesn't become a defeat. Because we already know the end of the story. How many of you in here, you love watching replays of old LSU championships and other championships? I mean, you're like, yeah, every season, I have people come up to me, I play for the Saints, and they go, I watched that 2009 Super Bowl every single year before the season. I cry every time. And I'm like, that's awesome. It's great. It's weird, but it's great. And they're like, oh, but they, why do they watch it? Because I guarantee they're, they're at halftime and they're grabbing a snack, right? They're at halftime. They're going, well, I hope, hope we come out of half and win, you know. We're down 10 to 6. And they, he comes up and he's like, what? We kicked an onside kick? No way. I wonder if we're going to recover that thing. And then I walk through the door. <laughs> and I get to say, I know that. I'm, we're going to recover that. I know we will. Listen to me. When you're anchored to God, it's like Jesus coming in going, hey, I already know who wins that victory. I already know who won that battle. I've seen your son or daughter. They're coming back. Don't you, don't you waver. I know the victory that's coming. Listen to me. For some of you in your own life, listen to me. Stay steadfast. Healing is coming. Victory is coming. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't give up. This is not about being right or righteous. This is about staying tethered to God and the hope that it gives you and the promises of his word. It anchors you down. Why? Because you know the ending of the story. You know who wins the Super Bowl. You know who hoists the trophy. His name is Jesus.
You know who wins. That's what allows us to walk by faith and not by sight. Because my God loves me. We walk by faith and we walk not by sight. And faith releases power of the word of God. I have to believe, listen to me. And I love it when Jesus walked out into the wilderness and after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, the enemy came up and tempted him. He, he tried to give him popularity. He tried to give him provision. He tried to give him status. He tried to give him everything. And every single time Jesus used the word of God, he stood on the promises of his father and said, Mm-mm, I'm not wavering. Jesus stood firm. If we look at King David, who was anointed, listen to me, anointed king at 13 years old, yet he didn't become king until he was 30. 17 years. I don't know about you. I'd be like, God, this isn't happening. Not only that, his father figures, King Saul was throwing spears at him, chasing him into caves, chasing him into areas he didn't even want to go. Yet I believe we see David stand on the promise at 13 years old that I'm going to be king one day. And then there's the Apostle Paul that wrote three-fourths of the New Testament that told us that he was shipwrecked, spent a couple nights at sea. He's been beaten, bruised, starved, bit by snakes, thirsty. He's gone through every disease, famine. He's been in the prison. He's gone through it all. Yet I believe he goes back to God every single time and goes, I remember the assignment and the promise you said that I would bring your word to the Gentiles. And he did. The only thing that tethered these men is the promises that God would never leave him or forsake him. Here's my question. What promise are you holding on to right now? Are you going, I, I don't have one. My encouragement to you is find something in this word of God that you can stand upon and you stand on it until you wear it out. And when it's worn out, you keep standing because the foundation of his word will never, ever ever fail. It may not be how we wanted it, but it'll always be the way God wanted it. It's the promise that he gave us. It's hope. It anchors us in his word and gives us victory. Number three, and here's where we close this morning. We don't just get his power when we're tethered to him. We don't just get his promises, but we also get his partnership. You're called to partner with God. You know, being at, at Pastor Bubba's funeral, I was absolutely moved. Because Pastor Bubba, before I really ever really got to know him, he was one of the first people that called when one of my kids was in the NICU for 24 days. He didn't know me from the man on the moon. He called me, man of God, I'm praying for you. Let's pray right now. Okay, okay, who are you? What's your name? Okay, great. That's just the kind of man that he was. And he stood. And you want to know the crazy thing about it is when he planted Jennings campus of OSC, he just partnered with God. That's all he did. All along the journey, he just kept partnering with God and partnering with God and partnering with God, partnering with God. And what's amazing is the legacy that he left was all because he partnered with God. 
we are called as believers, God gives us access to him, not just to come before him and worship him, but to partner with him. That's what I love about legacy so much in our legacy series last week is we got to partner with God and what he was doing for the addiction realm. And we're believing God is gonna set people free in Acadiana. That's our belief. We get to partner with him in sex trafficking and he's gonna set women free in Jesus' name. We're believing for all of the campus projects, all the outreaches. We're believing we get to partner with God. And let me just tell you this, God can take your fish in loaves and when you anchor it to him, man, he makes it multiply into thousands, thousands. It's the glory of God. It's what 2 Peter 1.4 talked about when it says this, that through these, his promises, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Why? So that we may participate in the divine nature. We get to participate and partner in God's divine nature. The great mystery of our faith is that God would say, I want to create you in my image and I want to give you my divine power. Because it's not by my power or my strength, but only by his spirit. And we are anchored to him. And when we anchor to him, we get all those things and then some. Because he doesn't just want you to be a a magic genie for you where you go, God, bippity-boppity-boo, I want a car. He wants to be a father. Have a relationship with you. Look at me. He wants you to call out to him. It was five-year-old little Isaiah that called out to a place he's never called before. In Wyoming, Isaiah was five years old and he grabbed a phone and he dialed a number that he had said a million times, but he never called and it was 911. His grandmother was in the other room and she was totally fine, but she was taking a nap and And he called and he was in need. So he called the number that he thought would get him help. So he called 911. The dispatcher says, hello, it's an emergency. And he said, yes, I I need something. And she said, okay, well, tell me what's the problem. He goes, I need McDonald's. Well, the story goes that the police officer went over and he actually brought him McDonald's. You know what Isaiah Isaiah teaches us? Listen to me. He teaches, he had the right number, but he had the wrong request. He needed help. He had the right number. Most of us, we know where to go when we need help. When we are drowning, where we're drifting and we need help, we dial God. God, come help us. The problem is, listen to me, many times when we dial God, We call the right number, but we have the wrong request and we ask for a happy meal when he wants to give us heaven. We ask for a meal when he wants to give us a feast, an eternal feast with him. We ask for him to fix our situations when he wants to change your life each and every single time. We got the right number. We have the right call. We have the wrong request. Listen to me. 
Our request isn't that our situation would change. It's that we would anchor in the hope of God. So why? So we can get his power, his promises, and we can partner with him to be glorious. Your situation may change and we're going to believe on it. But even if it doesn't, we're still going to praise his name. So my challenge to you this morning before we close, if you're going to call God, don't ask for a happy meal when he wants you to taste and see that he is good. He is good. Father, this morning, we thank you. Thank you for your word that transforms. It's not me, it's you, God. You transform us. And I believe this morning, your word gave hope, Lord. It anchored us down that even when there's doubts beginning to swirl in our mind, even when we've drifted off, we're never too far gone. And so we take hold, we seize your hope, your power, your promises, God, your partnership. And we thank you that as we walk this week, we're gonna experience more freedom than we ever have before, God. We declare it in Jesus' name because that's the good and amazing God that you are. I pray for those, Lord, that are longing for freedom, that are crying out for a son or a daughter, an aunt and uncle, a grandfather, a grandmother, God, a family member, a friend. They're crying out, Lord Father. They're losing hope. They're drifting away. I pray you call them back, call them back, call them back in Jesus' name. And that as we call on you, God, our request would be a God-sized request. Increase our faith, God. Increase our faith, God. Because we know you can move mountains. And you've given us that power through your promise, God. Thank you, Jesus, for encouraging us this morning. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, he doesn't just want you to call on and request but he wants you to answer the call that he's already given us. And that to be a follower of Jesus and to be born again. It only happens once. Happened to me when I was 17 years old. In my car, I gave my life to Jesus. It's a surrendering of your life and a repenting and turning to his life. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. What direction are you pointing And if you've never made that decision to be born again, I want to help you this morning. It's as simple as A, B, C, A. We just admit we're sinners in need of a Savior. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover our past, present, and future sins. And C, we confess him as Savior. He saved us. And as Lord, he is boss over our entire lives. For some of you, you've been in here and been coming to church your whole life, but you've never been born again. It's not about getting to heaven. That's a great part of it. It's about heaven, heaven here on earth. And if that's you in here this morning, going, Pastor Chris, I want to be born again. I've never done that. It only happens once, just like you're physically born once, you're spiritually born again one time. But if that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. Your faith, the Bible says, saves you. So if that's you on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand and raise it to me. And by raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor Chris, I want to be born again. Just include me in that prayer. One, God brought you here for a reason. Two, it's not an accident today that you made your way to our Savior's church that you're hearing the gospel, that God loves you, God saves you, and God wants to reign over you and give you amazing things. Three, I want you to raise your hand now. Say, that's me. Wave it at me so I can see it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I see you. Eight, nine, ten. Awesome. Eleven, twelve. 
13, I see you over there. Awesome. Anyone else? 14, I see you back there. You can put your hands down. One more opportunity. If you raised it once, you don't ever have to raise it again. You just started your journey. But if that's you and you want to join those 14, I want you to raise it now. Anyone else? Awesome. I see you, 15. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised, let's repeat this prayer together as a family. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give it up for all those who prayed that prayer this morning? Come on.